What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Doing business like a CEO while saving like a CFO. Staples has all the supplies you need to run your business like a boss at prices that'll make your bookkeeper smile. Now that is an achievement. Everything from markers and pens to 2019 desk calendars. And right now, a 12-pack of Sharpie markers and an 8-pack of Expo dry erase markers are only $4.99 each. At Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. Ends $119.19 in-store only. This is Lama Tantrapa, and I want to thank you for your interest in the secrets of Qigong Masters. You are at the right place if you want to learn from some of the best experts in our field how to tap into the energy resources that will help you achieve greater vitality, personal power, improve the quality of your life, and experience self-realization. I encourage you to dive deeper into these teachings by exploring the additional resources provided by this and other amazing guests of our show. Please visit QigongMasters.com where you'll find a treasure trove of information and materials dedicated to empowering you to live your dreams. Today, I'm delighted to introduce to you Marisa Vaca from Rome, Italy. Thank you, Marisa, for joining us. And I want uh, to thank you for taking your time to come all the way across the globe to our congress here. I got to use Slava for you. My passion, so I just traveled to meet all the other motivators around the world, and I joined this congress in San Francisco from 2008. Every time, and it's a pleasure to meet. Fantastic, fantastic, and we've met numerous times at the world congresses in the past. So now I'm really happy to actually take an opportunity to interview you, and you are one of the few people I know personally from Italy who teaches Qigong. I'm sure there are some other teachers, aren't there? Yes, there are a lot of teachers and a lot of uh, school, mm. uh, but most of the schools are other uh, Chinese medicine schools, so they teach mostly acupuncture, um, or otherwise the um, martial arts school. They just teach a little bit of Qigong in their own courses. Um, what is um, different from my job is that I uh, put in my attention and I start in research uh, directly Qigong and I open a, a Qigong organization just for research and professional courses in Qigong, in, in particular medical Qigong. I'm trying to bring Qigong in the public organizations and like public health organization, first of all, for medical children. Amazing. Well, this is something that uh, I'm sure you will tell us more about. But before that, maybe you can share with us a little bit about yourself. How did you come across uh, the energy arts and when did you start practicing? Um, actually, I started practicing when I was a child because my mother was working already in uh, energy healing. Uh, planet healing, we used to call it at that time. Sure. And so I started healing energy and playing with energy, not even working uh, with her, just fun. And then uh, healing the energy of plants or animals or other people. And then starting like a, not only a daughter, but a disciple of my mother to work on white chi treatment. It was not called Qigong at the time because I didn't know Qigong. But so when was that? was uh, in the 
beginning of the ages. That was coming to the absurd of this time, I think, of the age, the energy. Mm-hmm. And so that just uh, gave a direction to my life because I was so interested at the start with practicing, practicing meditation, Ayurveda meditation, and then I met Tibetan meditation. So I studied with the Tibetan side of the healing world. And uh, as I was as a child, I was describing like just traveling without the body. As I was feeling just going out the body and traveling, and it was a, a way for me in the time. I used to call, I leave my uh, pee, my body, and just travel. Uh-huh. So that was big experiences, but nobody could understand that side of family. So doctors tried to kill me or tried to just make me stay in uh, in the body in some sense. They were afraid for me. Oh, that's hilarious. It's, yeah. In a sense, it's like uh, when people are trying to learn how to do astral Travel, yes, yes. They were actually trying to stop you from doing that. They tried to stop me because they didn't know the, the why I was doing it and what was it. And so it's something that is others consider extraordinary, always consider <coughs> abnormal so, or sick. <coughs> so then I just started reading a lot about Oriental culture because I was uh, looking for conference and finding conference in the Oriental culture. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to university uh, in 88, I met Chidun the first time with a master that was coming from China to Italy to teach. And consequently, I started studying Oriental language at the university. Which language did you study? My first language is Chinese, and then Japanese and Tibetan and the others. Oh, wonderful. And uh, so, um, got my degree in the Chinese language was my first and I lived, lived in China for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so in 92 I found a master and this master found me, they made us meet with those, the other teachers I was studying in Chinese with a new man first in China. And so they just told me that there was a very good master that was uh, available to teach to me also if I was a woman and even if I was also if I be a foreigner, he would accept me. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had this great honor to be accepted as disciple from this master and I started uh, practicing with him before going to lesson five in the morning and then after lunchtime and then in the evening just forward and feeling, feeling the ways through the practice. And then in the end I just stopped the lesson and practiced in Chinese while I was doing the lesson. And who was the master? The name is Yang Yijun, but it's not a famous master. It's just like a seventh father for me and it's a person that motivated me because he told me after one year or two years that I was practicing with him that he actually started practicing Qigong when she was dying for cancer at the age of 38 years old, mm-hmm. had a stomach cancer, and at the thir- third uh, operation, curative operation, they just told me told him there was nothing to do and he afraid to die. So he just started practicing motivation, meditation, and then went out to the hospital and started looking for master and practicing children. Mm-hmm. And he's today 87 years old. And so 
that's a pretty significant longevity for anybody, yeah. not even speaking of cancer survivor. Yes, <laughs> and speaking about, I'm talking about a person that lost two brothers for hunger and uh, very poor family and all the cultural revolution and the war before and he was a soldier leader in the long march from U.S. for Crimea, so it was wow. a really long life. And he's really a second father for me. And I got the present for him that was uh, his biography written by him when I got married in 97. But I hadn't died in all these years as they used to do at that time. The old school. Oh, <laughs> old school. Yeah, I see. So. Well, and so your studies in Qigong obviously started with him. What style of that? Um, uh, did the teacher taught you? Um, mainly Buddhist and Meditation. Um, um. Um, but he didn't used to divide the techniques in schools or follow just one. Mm. Because as I said before, his goal when he started practice Qigong was to recover and to uh, survive at the beginning. So I was just using and practicing what was uh, had be, uh, be perfecting himself. Then he teaching to me. He tried to give me uh, um, an education, a uh, comprehensive education about what was Taoist, what was Buddhist, what was medical. Uh, but uh, first. Um, first techniques that he taught me was Kunjingong, uh, 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 I don't know if you know it, because it's not so famous all around. What does it mean? Literally, is the Qigong, the gong, the technique on Kunjing, on the empty force. And it's a, pra uh, a very static Qigong, originated in the Buddhist uh, culture, Buddhist tradition. Right. And it's started working on a particular position with a few clues like you find in martial arts. Pigeon toe. Pigeon? Yeah. Huh? yeah, the pigeon toe. Yeah, they call it uh, the position of uh, eight, eight yes. position. Because yeah, eight because is, eight is not. Yeah, it's like on eight days. And then you work on stretching the meridians with your fingers or through different movements with the hands, but it's very, very static. Huh. And it works on systems, so the, um, uh, Organs and meridians, and we have techniques that work on meridians, but we have techniques that work directly on organs or um, systems in the body. Sure. Um, but it's very internal and, and meditative. We have some visualization also. Uh, so it's particular institute. Specific breathing practice? Yes, breathing was adapted to the position. That was not a particular. Um, attention to the Buddhist techniques in Kunjingong. It's more energetical, mechanic positions that make you in the, uh, in the circulation and in the world. So. Okay. And since then, uh, did you embark on learning any other style of Oh, Qigong? yes, yes, yes. Then Can you the share with Qigong, us? The uh, Guolin Qigong, and then Balianjin, uh, uh, all the five animals and a lot of them. And another big 
system of qigong that is called wuming qigong, uh, wuming dong, but literally means qigong without knowing. So all the techniques that has have goals, specific effects or uh, results, but they are not uh, included in any particular school in all the old traditions. How interesting. So that's specifically for medical purposes or yes, the techniques for all? Yes, medical and meditative purpose. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, uh, and then I met many other masters, so after that I was so passionate with Qigong and then even when I started teaching the next, the next year, because I, I followed this master for one year and then I went back home. Mm -hmm. And back home, uh, uh, the circumstances just took me to teach, because it was not a job for me. My, my, my father had a cancer, and so mm -hmm. to help him, I just put together some friends and started teaching. Um, so I could help him without saying that was something specific, no, because just for him, just so supported the others. Uh, but then it became a work if everybody was starting talking to friends or the people and then chatting, chatting the classes. The word of mouth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it became a full-time job from there. And now it's 24 years already, almost 24 years already. Wonderful. And so, does your school have any particular curriculum or offer specific programs dedicated My to school? <laughs> yes, so I mean, uh, first of all, it's not a real school. I never uh, really opened a school. I, I, what I, I created was an organization that was called Noida, uh, the Inner Way. And it's uh, an organization that open to all different styles and different techniques so that we um, try to prepare the practitioner uh, to, to be already from the beginning uh, open to all the masters instead of just following one. And I'm one, of course, I'm the, the, the responsible of the organization, the teacher in the organization, but uh, I invite or just meet other masters that can teach together with me different techniques that is specialized in. And another purpose, besides uh, preparing other operators, because I also form all children operators in Italy, but one another purpose is entering contact with all the other organizations around the world. That's why I travel a lot in Chile, San Francisco, and China for the um, official in the World Medical Children Congress in Japan and the organization of Chinsigen that you also know. Right. And, uh, and in Italy with the others, uh, masters, and it's probably more difficult to meet and to enter in contact with the other teachers locally in Italy because, as Effie was saying also here, it's difficult not to enter in competition one with the other and to uh, meet and create a group of work. Collaboration. Collaboration with the others. Right. Well, this is definitely something that uh, I experienced when I was on board of directors of National Qigong Association, working with Epi Chow, uh, my own organization. Uh, I actually started probably the first ever uh, mastermind group of Qigong masters. So basically what we did, 
is bringing together a number of investors who were interested in collaboration more than competition. And I was surprised at first that there were actually so many who would rather compete. Yes. But they say, well, I practice my Qigong. Yes. And this is a good Qigong style. Yes. This is the right one. I wouldn't be doing this. This is it. This is, it. This is, this is the, the one that I really think is right. Well, then, by definition, others are not right. Yes, <laughs> so that means it creates a sense of not only competitiveness, but some kind of prejudice. And uh, I would like to explore with you, if you don't mind, ways to overcome that. Because I certainly see the value in collaboration much more than competition. Not, um, not that I'm against competition, I think competition is a healthy process, but not all by itself. There has yeah. to be also some degree of... With that, and when, when, I think when it is an open mind competition, it's even a stimulation to get better. Right. But uh, most of the times, as you said, most of the times I used to uh, receive messages like, my master is better than yours, my master is more famous. And for who's your master of family, you know, so why he doesn't come to Italy or go abroad or, uh, or I mean, uh, it's, it's the same, it's always the same. My master said that I don't have to follow anybody else because a lot of masters think and believe that you have to practice only one technique uh, to become which is true in China, they do, to become master in that technique. But if, uh, like for me, the goal is uh, health and is um, medical, I mean, uh, you can't even say medical in Italy, but it's healing, well, healthy, therapeutic, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, you just want to get better, mm -hmm. whatever the tools are, and you want to share with the others to help more people if possible. But it's not always like this for people. And uh, if you work next to somebody else, they probably feel even more the, the competition. Uh, uh, in fact, I found very easier to cooperate with people around the world than in Rome. How fascinating. Well, the, the old saying goes that uh, there is no profit uh, in your own hometown. <laughs> so the definition of a master is somebody from outside of, uh, of your vicinity. Now, I also... And also, it's, it's a, a rare uh, work till now, no? I mean, it's something that not a lot of people do. So mm -hmm. the risk is that somebody that study and practice uh, uh, in their energy field, mm -hmm. they feel themselves um, already on another level. Right. And so this is a natural but sad separation from the others because well, they tend to put themselves on another level. That's what I call spiritual arrogance. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's has the opposite uh, effect in the end, no? because you can't share, you can't open, you can't bring care, you can't communicate with the others. For sure. Well, you know what I I came up with to solve this situation, I created the profession called Qigong Coaching, which can work with any style, yeah. but 
instead of downloading information or teaching the person certain techniques or forms, it involves testing the principles, understanding what works and what doesn't work, and then applying what works so that you get the best result possible. That eliminates the issue of which style is better or whose master is more famous. It's just a matter of what works for this particular person yes. at this particular time. Yes. And it creates a sense of authenticity and also sense of much more, much greater trust in Qigong in general because you're no longer just operating on the basis of faith. Oh, the master told me I, I yes. have to believe that. It's much more pragmatic and, and evidence-based. Yes. And this is why uh, in uh, 2010, I opened the Maidan organization, mm -hmm. and I started inviting somebody from out, outside that um, environment, the Italian environment. Mm -hmm. And to also to give uh, awareness to the people who was practicing that there was behind, there was a science, there is a science, there is research, and there is a lot of um, experience back in time and far in, uh, in the space, in, in, in the world. Mm. So in 2010, I organized the first conference where Fucho, um, Dr. Fucho and Dr. Kevin Chan came to Rome mm. to propose experience and research together in the same weekend. And then uh, uh, I carried on organizing conferences. The second one, there were also Alex Fenn, Dr. Wang Yang, and some other teachers that came right. to Italy for that. And in 2014, there were more than 20 presenters. And in 2015, I got also Italian presenters, which is the best result, <laughs> because it means that they also opened to uh, cooperate with the others, which right. is great. Right. And now it's... Um, now it's different because from the conferences, uh, what I've done during the conferences is organize a round table with Western medical doctors from uh, Italian hospitals and public health organization. And from that, we start a few projects. One in um, coping addiction, uh, helping people that wanted to stop uh, the use of cocaine. And they invited me create some children laboratories together with psychotherapy so they can uh, do in the same time. So there was a, in, in this project, there is still, because we are still following for four years and now, five years, this is the fifth year, uh, there are laboratories where they practice children in the morning and they, they have psychotherapy group in the afternoon. And, and this is free, totally free to, for the patient because it's offered by the public health organization. And they stay there for a few days or a week and they have the practice in the morning and the, the psychotherapy in the afternoon. So they actually stay right there on the premises? Yes, there's a phase of residential phase, they call it, because there is a diagnosis phase, a meeting point, and then they decide what they need, what the patient needs, and they give it to this possibility for the residential phase, and they stay inside, they cook for themselves, and they share the experience. And they do different laboratories. Children is one of them, those. Uh, at the beginning, was the idea was just to prove them that they can spend a few days without 
the use of cocaine and injure himself and more. Uh, then Chibong uh, was almost refused at the beginning because we're not only spending time together to enjoy, but there is that feeling that was a real therapy and was going inside, was deep. So the beginning was difficult for them. It's like going to the doctor instead of playing pool or, or cooking together or something else. Now it's one of the main laboratories because people understand that there's a deep effect in Buddhism because cocaine, using co uh, people that use cocaine usually are very depressed, weak inside, and so cocaine is something that makes you more stronger. No? Right. So Qigong is perfect to help these kind of people, I think. And Being a substitute for that kind of artificial strength. Yes. By yes. creating the inner strength. Yes, trying to find the uh, inner self, yeah, as you said. Um, and this is one of the projects that started just after the conferences, uh, so I was invited to. The second one that started later is in the hospital cancer department which is the most important for me, and I'm following directly the, uh, yes, directly myself inside the hospital because I, I love this project and I love to work with people that has problems and, and I love to work with people that will never look for children. Because mm. one thing is to prepare and to guide the practice of people that are doing already a path by themselves, so they looking for something to learn, yoga or what else, meditation. So they already have a level of awareness to practice and to choose and to um, enter in contact with these techniques. But when you work in a hospital and the patients need children just because the doctors uh, propose them as integrative technique, I think the integrative center, medicine, integrative medicine center, it's completely different because they will never, they don't know anything about Qigong, they never practiced before, and they just have a cancer and doctors say, okay, you do, now you do diet, and then you go for reflexology if you need, and then you go to the Qigong class. So it's a Qigong class, so basically it's a self-administered uh, practice as opposed to, say, uh, Wei Qi information. It's uh, both. I mean, I can do both in the hospital. Uh, they offer me a place where to teach, so I have classes of practice, and then I can give treatment when I come to the studio for so clinic studio, I don't know how you call it in English, for um, receiving prior treatment. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, but I think that the effect of, and I was saying to somebody else in the Congress, because it's, for me it's very interesting, and I'm thinking of doing a research on this, the effect of Qigong on people that will never look for Qigong is at least double. It's immediate, it's sudden, because it's like working with children. Not aware, not looking for that, just finding themselves in the experience and discover what happens. And maybe at the beginning they even close mind because what's the strange name is Chinese technique, why they do that. But they have the trust in the doctor and they have the fear of the disease, so they accept it. So they open. And the effect is much deeper and silent. I have two hours with them in the lesson, 
happening to us with Lampol, with all patients uh, of the um, Gun project. They just in, suddenly uh, meet and uh, bump in Chivon, and something happened. And they don't expect it. It's not like students that practice, and so they have an expectation, a hope, or they know something wrong. Mm, I see. Well, that's interesting. So if the person has a level of their energy awareness relatively low, that just in a, in a short amount of time, they bump that level to some degree. They don't but, anything. Yeah. but for them, it's a major leap forward. Yeah. For somebody who is already at a certain level of development, that for them the same step would not constitute such a major improvement. Yeah, it's, it's a less visible effect. I mean, but you could yeah. see from outside because you see all this tension mm -hmm. that suddenly released. <laughs> and you see like 10 centimeters. Uh, shoulders coming down, or I don't know, but it, it's so visible that I could take a picture before and a picture later and see the difference. Amazing. Well, and uh, also it's very impressive that you actually somehow received uh, uh, hospital privileges. I mean, uh, you have title of a doctor. Are you a medical doctor? Not at what all. Kind of doctor? No. And before, for years, that was my problem. Oh. I tried an identity in. Uh, in uh, medical, so I tried to think maybe I have to study medicine, maybe I have to study because I had just studied uh, officially just studied Oriental languages. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't have any. Um, I don't. I'm not physiotherapist. I'm not doctor. I'm not physician. I'm not anything, nurse, anything. So when uh, um, I start cooperating with these doctors, it's because I pushed for years on the idea that. It's better to be good in one thing instead of trying to do a lot of things, but just for the papers, not just for what you have to do. The jack and of all trades, as they say. Yeah. Master of none. Yes. Um, so um, it was hard for the first years, uh, really hard, to be to feel sure enough and to feel how do you say self self. See, self-esteem, no? to have the confidence to propose something in the medical um, field. Right. But then it came. It came by itself after the conferences. So I, thank, I really have to thank that uh, the, all the job, the work I've done in uh, organizing the conferences because my goal was just to present the big studies in Chivong to my students. And instead, something else came. And this is, for example, for cancer, is in one of the biggest hospitals, and it's the Catholic hospital where the focus field is famous around just from there, from around outside Italy, Gemelli Hospital. And, and uh, so, outside means, in, in it's, it's outside Rome, it's famous just because the Pope, Giovanni uh, Paolo II, the second, was inside there for a long time before he died. Mm. But uh, in Rome is one of the more conservative hospitals. This is what I want to say. So to be there with Chivum in a department that is integrative medicine department of on working on cancer, in particular breast cancer, for me is a huge result because I'm not only um, entering the medical. Uh, 
food, but also uh, opening the resistance of the uh, Catholic doctors. Oh in, <laughs> in Italy, it's another thing. Right, right. That's definitely another interesting challenge to explore. I mean, obviously, I've interviewed people from Muslim countries and uh, from countries where uh, there are, you know, certain established religious uh, denomination or, or uh, tradition that is kind of more or less oppressive. I didn't think of Italy that it would have such a uh, resistance, but I, I'll just begin to understand that perhaps there is some resistance uh, among the Catholic priests, maybe, or just uh, even, believers. Even believers, yeah. I mean, simply like why, why would they have any resistance? Um, because it's not Catholic? Because there always been a big resistance on uh, on Oriental uh, philosophy. I would call philosophy for them Oriental uh -huh. religions. And uh, uh, at the beginning of my studies, when I was studying Shiatsu, for example, Shiatsu was considered uh, from by some of the Catholics uh, um, technique in the body. And oh, even the, even the, <laughs> the symbol of Tai Chi, the yin and yang, mm -hmm. was believed like a gate, uh, because it's always been translated like yin and yang, like uh, bad and good. Uh, really, they translated that way? Also. And well, that's really I, not only, opposite of what it's not supposed only, to be. Yes, <laughs> not only um, uh, female and male, and uh, the day and the night, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But in one in one of the binomial, we say binomial, uh, dualistic. Uh, dualistic, yeah. One of the dualistic definition was also good and bad, young good and young bad. I've never heard that. Uh, for all because the years I've been studying because, yeah. Oriental philosophies, I never in, thought that. Uh, that in Catholicism, uh, a lot of times there's been. Uh, the fusing techniques that they were connected to. So some of them, my patients, the first year, for example, would say, mm, but my minister, my uh, master in religion, uh, my priest, the priest uh, just uh, told me that uh, I shouldn't do this treatment because it's, it's, it's bad, it's dangerous for me, for my soul. Wow. Well, so, you know, I, I come from the former Soviet Union, and after the collapse of the empire, uh, the communist regime fell apart, but uh, it was the vacuum of conscience, so to speak. Um, communist belief, in a sense, was in the form of religion, or at least uh, some school of thought that people would follow. And then when communism was no more, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church actually stepped in and tried to become and actually effectively became a state religion and there was definitely some degree of resistance from the russian catholic and ukrainian catholic sorry orthodox church so much so that i personally had some run-ins with orthodox christians but 
I didn't think that uh, the, Catholic, the Catholic Church would have the same kind of uh, orthodox perspective, but I guess they all do the same thing. So what, what is your way of overcoming this type of prejudice? Um, what I'm trying to do in the last 20 years is to um, to be a cultural translator. Uh, so not only teaching Chinese medicine with the Chinese philosophy, but trying to talk the language of the person I'm having in front of me. Mm -hmm. So to adapt the practice and adapt, adapt the theory, explaining in a way that could be closer to their daily life. And this is quality that I come for practicing. And the same with the um, medical doctors, for example, translating Western language or in practice um, uh, without losing, and this is most important for me, without losing the, the energy field, but translating it in a way that I could understand. Like I don't know, Chi is. We still don't know how to. What What's the best definition? We were talking about in the Congress and in the meeting for um, the other professionals. And it, it's difficult to translate Chi, but we can't avoid the concept of Chi, or can't just uh, uh, import the concept of Chi just because we're talking to Western doctors. So I never accept uh, to def the definition of Qigong as body-mind technique, for example, because it's something that really imports the concept of Qigong. And when they told me that in China, even in China now, they talk about breathing, they talk about oxygen instead of Qi. I understand because I lived in China. And the new generations, they don't know Qi in China. Mm. The new generation take us through all the cultural revolution and now, and uh, they don't have the the feeling and the understanding of what is spirituality and what is energy. It's not easy for them. They're learning again from outside. Yeah. I would say instead of having inside and feeling it with the right brain, the right side of the brain, they're learning again through the through comprehension to the left side of the brain. And it's like the foreigner of their own culture, in one sense. So right. what I try to do in, in Italy is to keep the concept in, uh, um, uh, complete anyway, in comprehensive uh, chi, the concept of chi, and uh, making them try it. So when they invite me for a project, like the, the current one or the hospital one, I have a, always a condition to accept the project. And the condition is that the operators have practiced before the patients. They have to understand and to feel what is children, at least two or three lessons. The operators meaning teachers? Meaning, meaning the doctors, medical doctors in the hospital. So in the department, they, most of them, they try children with me and before I started with the patients. Mm -hmm. And the same for the coding project. I asked them, psychotherapists and uh, offering them a free lesson, two free lessons, <coughs> just to feel, to experience what they're going to propose to the patients. Otherwise, they couldn't, 
even propose in the right way. And it's always gymnastic or uh, slow movements or something nice and something um, uh, of kind exercise, or how do you say, kind of exercise or something gentle, gentle for uh, helping the so, yeah. Well, uh, one of my friends, who obviously is a very left-brain individual, uh, actually a well-known master here in, in the United States, Mark Johnson, <laughs> uh, says T equals MC squared. <laughs> so basically, energy is energy. Everything is made of it, and we just need to figure out how to wrap our mind around the fact that everything is energy. Yes. Now, when people say mind-body exercise or mind-body practices. I said, that's great. We understand mind and body. Some people even go as far as to accept that maybe these are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at one side of the organism, you see the mind, and the other side sees yeah. the body, like the heads and tails of the coin. I say, look, that's great. Let's just not forget that we can pay attention not to the on the side of the coin, but to the essence of the coin, what is it made of? In this case, we're talking about energy. Yeah. That's what keeps the mind and body together. So, whether it's a mind-body exercise, the essence of the practice is actually paying attention to the energy yes. and learning how to work with it. Yeah, and this is the third element in the dualism. Well, the, the most important one. No? Yeah, the most important. <laughs> it's like in the Tai Chi a uh, symbol of yin and yang, uh, another famous master that is um, uh, Jeffrey Yen, I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah, I know Jeffrey. Uh, and I studied and I translated for years for his lessons maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, he always said, uh, used to, everybody used to see Chinese medicine and the theory and the philosophy behind Chinese medicine as dualistic because of yin and yang. <laughs> but it's that line that's the way and that you make yin transforming yang and so on and so forth. That is the most important element. Well, so oh, it's oh. the movement, the, trans the transformation, and that's the main concept. And the third, so Chinese medicine actually is con is based on a, a trinity. I don't know how to call that. Uh, I, if you call it trinity, the Christians will love it. Yes, I don't know why, uh, because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> well, and this is really what uh, that whole concept of yin and yang is about, yes. is that there is no yin without yang. Yes. There is no yang without yin. They transmute and transform yeah. into each other all the time. So that snapshot of yin and yang as a duality is just a, a, a snapshot of a, a constantly moving yes. and constantly transforming image. So it has to be a three-dimensional moving image rather than uh, just a flat static image yeah. to really represent the meaning of that particular principle. Nowadays, with computer technology, it must be really easy. We can just make this animated image and yes. use that as a logo. Yeah. Um, now, before we conclude our interview today, let me ask you if you have any a particular advice or words of wisdom for our listeners and viewers. Uh, 
finding it all too easy to give that kind of advice. <laughs> but it's, uh, as I define Shigen, the way to, uh, to go back to spontaneity and to uh, our own nature, uh, the first advice that it comes to my mind is just to be, to try to be what we are, even if we don't like it. Because what we feel inside and what we really are uh, is our treasure and can help us to get better. As I tried it for a long time, my shyness and my difficulties in communication at home as abroad. But that has become a stimulation for me once I accepted, like the identity in Chigen, and trying to find another identity with medical professions or other. And just once I accepted what I am, and doing the best for Chigen and for other people, and worked it. So I think, first of all, we should use the practice to discover what we are instead of looking, looking for something. Well, that's Thank you. Thank you. And also, I want to thank you once again for taking your time to share your stories and uh, your wisdom and expertise. And, uh... You have finished another episode of the talk show, The Secrets of Qigong Masters, that brings to you some of the top experts in Qigong, meditation, healing, and martial arts. Now, I invite you to visit qigongmasters.com and dive deeper into the teachings of our amazing guests by downloading their multimedia products and becoming a member of our international community of like-minded people. The show is also brought to you by Cabinet Chidao, offering Qigong coaching programs that integrate the ancient energy arts with the modern methodology of coaching. If you struggle with chronic pain, suffer from too much stress, want to boost your performance, or seek spiritual awakening, please go to qigongcoaching.com. There, you can receive top-notch coaching as well as professional training to become a certified Qigong coach yourself. That's right, if you're dreaming of making a decent living, doing what you love, and making a difference in the lives of many people worldwide. Check out our programs that will help you transform your interest in energy arts into living your life in the flow.